Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about the one thing we want to know about, their favourite musicals. We talk a little bit about their career, a little bit about other things, but mostly it's about musical theatre, the shows that they love, the shows that they love a little bit less, the shows that they've been in, everything you could want to know from brilliant talents in musical theatre. And this week, it doesn't get more talented than a Tony Award-winning performer, Lena Hall. Now, now sometimes I get a little bit nervous recording these episodes, but I was... Uh, let's make it clear. Lena Hall, phenomenally welcoming, lovely person. We had a great chat, but going in before, I was a little bit nervous. I've been watching Lena for years in all of her YouTube videos. Just type her name into YouTube. You'll see her in her Obsessed series, just performing various cabarets. She's got the most phenomenal voice. She obviously won her Tony Award for playing Yitzhak in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. We talk a lot about that show and all the other shows she's been a part of as well. A little bit about The Search for Elle Woods, which was one of the first things she did way back in her career, completely at odds with who she is now, which is a wonderful evolution to see. She is a singular performer. That's something that gets thrown around a lot, but there's no one else like Lena Hall in the world of musical theatre. I'm a huge fan. As I say, she was so welcoming and I think we had a really good chat. Lovely human being. The reason I'm talking to her, the reason that she is in this country is she's about to star in In Dreams, which is a new musical with a book by David West Reed featuring the music of Roy Orbison, the legendary rock and roll artist, singer-songwriter Roy Orbison. Um, it's directed by Luke Shepard, who you'll know from And Juliet and In the Heights. It looks like it's going to be the best thing ever. I can't wait for this. As a big Roy Orbison fan anyway, as a big Lena Hall fan anyway, nothing could excite me more than this musical. And it's playing at Leeds Playhouse, which is one of my favourite venues in the entire country. And then I think it's going to go on to Toronto and then Broadway. So for all of you listeners over the pond, just get yourselves down to see this. It's only on in Leeds Playhouse, though, from the 3rd of July until the 5th of August. So it's a very limited window to catch it. So everyone in the UK... I'll be in I'll be in this convoy driving up to to Leeds to see this to catch this production. I cannot wait. This podcast is produced in association with musicaltheaterreview.com, your premier source for all things, news, reviews, interviews, and everything on stage, backstage, and worldwide. I say that every episode. Still haven't written it down anywhere. I probably should because I'm starting to get it wrong now. I should write down this whole intro, really, because I'm, I'm jabbering a bit, as I'm sorry to say I probably did in front of Lena Hall. But, you know, she's lovely. It was great. Great human being. Lovely chat. Fascinating career. And here it is right now. Let's not waste any more time. The wonderful, the Tony Award winning, the most talented person I've ever been in the same room as, Lena Hall. I guess my musical taste <laughs> sounds so, so full of myself. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake mayor, Ian Boquette. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. She is a phenomenal singer, a Grammy-nominated recording artist, a television and film star who you may have seen in Snowpiercer, HBO's Girls, the brilliant film Bex, or even My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And that's about it. No, wait, she's also a Tony Award-winning Broadway icon, star of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the original Broadway cast of Kinky Boots, the recent Bat Out of Hell, Little Shop of Horrors, and so many more. Lena Hall, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. 
Well, first, welcome to the UK. How long have you been in London now? I think three weeks and I love it. It's just like New York, only older, cleaner and much more polite. (laughs) That's lovely to hear. (laughs) A lot more polite, trust. (laughs) Um, Well, you're in rehearsals for an exciting new show, which we will get on to. But have you had much time to explore the city outside of that sofa? I've explored some of the city, although I haven't really done like the red bus hop on and off tour. I think I should do that probably just by myself and Mm -hmm. just like see all the things that maybe... I wouldn't see in my own hometown. So, you know, how we, if, when I live in, well, I live in New York and I've not seen anything in New York. Like I've not gone to some of the most famous landmarks because I'm just like, I live here. So I imagine Londoners as well probably do the same thing. 100% the same. Yeah, 100%. Like, so I have to do that. (laughs) Yeah, my sister was in town recently. She did the um, hop on, hop off bus tour. And she was telling me about all these great London facts and places, which I'd never (laughs) even heard of. I've lived here 10, 15 years now. And it's a great thing. It's worthwhile. Yeah. If you get the time off. I imagine rehearsals are quite intense. Rehearsals are good. It's it's really fun. I actually really love this show. I had no idea. You never know when you're in a show, you're kind of in it. So you don't really know the overall view of it. Mm. But I trust Luke a lot and David Westreed a lot because I saw Anne Juliet and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic how they how they built that show. This is a very different show. It's not in the same vein. Um, it's not very, it's not as fantastical. Uh, it's much more grounded and realistic. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the details of the show. You say, um, as you say, Luke Shepard from Anne Juliet, beautiful show. I love that show. I love musical theater in general, of course. I love classic rock and roll. Big fan of you. Big fan of Leeds Playhouse, the venue. So I'm so excited about this new In Dreams, which is built around the music of Roy Orbison. What can you tell us about how, like, how does it go? Is it more of a we will rock you. We've got a story with the songs. Or is it more of like a Jersey Boys? It's the songs and Roy Orbison's life. No, but uh, so the joke is, is that, you know, I always say it's a Roy Orbison musical and people are like, are you playing Roy Orbison? And I say, mm-hmm. no, but I could. <laughs> it is actually a, a storyline built around the music. So it has nothing to do with Roy Orbison's life. It is more based on my life very loosely. Um, it reflects me quite a bit, but not totally. And uh, and it's it's a very interesting thing to have something so closely relate like related to a journey that I've been on. Mm. And that's kind of exciting. I haven't had that yet. Although every character I've ever played is a reflection of something that I've gone through in my life or was currently going through in my life. But nobody knows that because it's just, it's all in your head. It's how you make sense of things. So maybe it isn't closely related to my life and I'm just making it closely related to my life. Who knows? (laughs) Well, a lot of the roles you've played... um from like Bex and from Hedwig, it's there's a lot of rock and roll in there. There's there's a lot of weird love stories, which I get the vibe is kind of this show as well. Yes, yeah, very much so. Um, there's a lot of rock and roll. There's a lot of really grounded moments that would be um, maybe not expected in a musical, but more expected in something that would be like Hedwig, mm. where Hedwig is not a typical musical it it breaks the genre and i think that that david and luke are both trying to break the genre a little bit um but still have it so it's interesting it's a play on these two different sides of the coin of storytelling mm-hmm. that can happen within a musical and i love that 100% that sounds amazing yeah <laughs> and roy orbison music of course everyone knows the classic roy orbison songs probably more than they expect they remember was roy orbison one of 
your hair bows growing up? No, uh, oh. Roy Orbison was more my parents or well, my mother's generation. They that was all the music from their high school that they you know went to slow dance. You know they did slow dancing too, whatever. And their heartbreak. It was all that generation. We know the music because it's kind of classic. It just plays throughout time. I know more of the Traveling Wilbury, which yes. is a super group that he would that Roy was in with like Tom Petty and Bob Dylan and. Was was in that one that was, oh and George, George Harrison, Harrison and then there was one other guy and no one really knows who that is. <laughs> but I'm sure he's like famous in his own right. But um, then Jeff Lynne actually. Jeff, Jeff Lynne. Lynne. There you go. Yeah, and and it's like you put them all together and and they made this really cool band that was very specific to a certain time period in the 80s. And mm. I, when I heard the songs that they put in the show from the Traveling Wilburys, I was like, oh my god, I know that song. That's so crazy. Like because it was playing when I was a very young kid. And, um, and then you heard the Roy Orbison stuff on the, on the radio all the time or in commercials and TV and film and stuff like that. I mean, it's classic rock and roll. You cannot go wrong. It's like Elvis, you know, it's Mm. just, everyone knows the music, but sometimes they don't associate it with Roy Orbison. I think I had a similar journey with Roy Orbison. I loved the Beatles growing up. That's what my parents listened to. So mm-hmm. I got into it too. And then just listening to Traveling Wilburys and hearing the interviews where the Beatles always talk about Roy Orbison as an influencer, one of the first singer-songwriters and like authentic rock and roll, cool people, artists. Yes. It's an amazing person. And as you say, you hear the music in adverts and TV and film all the time. And yeah, uh, yeah you'll be surprised how many songs you know off by heart. Yeah, tons of covers. I mean, he's... He's a lot of people's, you know, main influence, a lot of very famous musicians, main influence. Mm. And um, I think it's really cool to musicalize his catalog. Um, And his music writing is very interesting because it is very storytelling. His lyrics are really beautiful and very, very storytelling. And it's very different from maybe pop music where it's a little less story and more, you know, for what it sounds like kind of this, but mm. with Roy Orbison, there's clear story going on and he uses gorgeous words to tell the story that are beautifully, the way you can sing the words themselves come out very gorgeous. Like mm. it's, um, it's one of those things. It's, he was a, he was a genius. I mean, especially for the time as well. If you look at the contemporary songs around that era where it's just, mm-hmm. I love you, baby, maybe, and mm-hmm. stuff. And he, as you say, I think there was a country influence with the way it's storytelling songs. And you, you could hear them played by, you know, Bruce Springsteen or someone and it, they wouldn't, those words would not be amiss. Yeah, exactly. So you're obviously really well known for your rock screaming vocals, <laughs> um, which isn't something Roy Orbison is known for. I take it these are arrangements of his songs. Yeah, these are arrangements, although I'm trying to take an approach and they're allowing me, which is very cool. They're allowing me to take an approach where it comes from my own kind of take on a song. So I did a, a catalog of music one whole year called, in 2018 called Obsessed. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, you know, me and my music director. And we came up with all these um, interesting covers that were very um, kind of bare bones covers of songs. I often try and imagine how a song was written Mm. and take a song that way because um, when you know a song is good, if you take everything away, all the production, and you're left with a gorgeous song and just either a piano or guitar because those are usually how the songs have been written. Mm. Um, So that was the whole point of the Obsessed series. And, And they, 
you know, they cast me because they were interested in that kind of, I guess, my musical taste. <laughs> Which you can say you've got so, taste. That's okay. Well, it sounds so, so full of myself. But, you know, like mm. they, they were, they wanted it to be more authentic to kind of that side of things, that rock and roll side of things. So I could bring that part of me into the show, which is what I'm saying about how the show is trying to break the musical theater, kind of the typical musical theater thing, but mm. it, keep it together. So you have two different parts of it. You have the part that's me. That's very, um, I guess it would be kind of more Hedwig kind of edgy and a little and very different. And then the other side, that's like the fun bubblegum uh, musical theater like make them clap kind of side of things so yeah. it's it's a cool uh i don't know it seems like a it's working and it's very cool how it's kind of gelling together super exciting to hear well as you say um, the obsessed series it's very much reflective of, of your taste so you did like chris cornell you did muse david mm -hmm. bowie radiohead amazing amazing artists um and those videos i highly encourage anyone listening to seek them out on YouTube. <laughs> Do you have a favorite to recommend? Yeah, I mean, it, Creep, because yes. of the way we we changed the arrangement. And that was the one of the big ones that we changed the arrangement of was Creep. And then another one was um, uh, the Peter Gabriel one, In Your Eyes, mm. which is really beautiful and gentle. And it, it's very different from the original. And I just love the way they sound and they get really into the heart of the emotional story of these songs um, because, I mean, you have nothing covering it up. You have no production. It's just so bare, but so beautiful. So you can really hear the kind of emotional qualities of the songwriting. Absolutely. And the first EP was um, Hedvig and the Angry Inch songs, was, yeah. which are all stripped back. And it's beautiful to hear them in that way because obviously it's amazing on stage, the electric guitars, the drums and everything. But to have, I think, um, some of them are just like an electric guitar and your voice and the acoustic guitars on Origin of Love. And obviously you do some screaming and shouting, <laughs> as is your way. But to hear those songs sounds so beautiful. It's just a testament to the to Stephen Trask and mm -hmm. his composers. brilliant songwriting. And you really hear the lyrics too. And yeah. that was fun because we did Nirvana Mm. You know, and a lot of times you can't really understand what he's saying. And so what's interesting is that when you finally hear the lyrics, you're like, oh, <laughs> you're finally hearing the lyrics. Because, I mean, I do I come from musical theater and, sure. you know, I have I have a rock background because I was in a rock band and they really tortured me and wanted mm -hmm. me to sing like cool. So I had to really, really <laughs> study um, rock singers until they were happy. And that's kind of was my journey to how I sing now but there is still that like I have this I can like pronounce words very clearly without pronouncing words <laughs> do you know what I mean that's a where, skill yeah. yeah where you you hear the where you actually hear can hear the word for the first time and you're like oh is that what it was saying mm -hmm. oh uh, but it's not like overdone yeah um but there's not something really I'm aware of when I do it well, with Roy Orbison's lyrics in particular, <laughs> the, those songs that you've heard a billion, billion times and you probably just don't listen to the lyrics anymore, it'd be great to see them recontextualized in a show so you can connect the emotions to, to what he's actually singing. Yeah, they've done a really good job. David Westreed has done a brilliant job on this script. And it's his comedy. His comedy is very fast and furious, you know, it's back and forth and it's really very funny. And then he has some major moments of, you know, quiet and heartbreak and 
the music plays really well into that and the way mm -hmm. he's I mean, they were they did a brilliant job with uh, with Aunt Juliet. I was yes. kind of like, oh, look how they weave these songs. And I loved it because it was, of course, my generation. It was like you got the Backstreet Boys and Those all that. Classics. Yeah. Britney Spears like that. I was listening to when it came out. Right. Mm. Um, and so I was so into it. And I thought they did a really good job. And it was very smart and cleverly done the way they weave the songs in, which is not easy to do. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. Um, Aunt Juliet. Obviously, really fun show. Do go see it if you haven't. But it's uh, quite a, a silly comedy show as well. I, this feels like it's more of a grounded emotional. Much more, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I love Anne Juliet, but all those colourful costumes and glitter, it's yeah. not the Roy Orbison vibe. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's colourful. Oh, yeah. I it's... mean, we've got some costumes right next to us, a beautiful array of hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We're still working on that, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, I think that um, the theme thematically um, it's a, it's a beautiful theme. It's kind of, you know, live your life to the fullest today and appreciate those who are in your life mm. and don't let time slip by because time can be very short. Um, and and so far, so good. So we, we, we haven't done the second act yet, but we've done the first act and it's, it's pretty good, I think. Who knows? <laughs> well, I was waiting just before you came in the room and there were some very loud castmates of yours just next door singing little snippets, doing little bits of dialogue. It, it sounds incredible. I can't wait for it. <laughs> <Good>. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're going to, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to Leeds Playhouse first. Is Leeds a city you've ever been to or will this be your first time? This will be my first time in Leeds. Wow. I only had heard about Leeds because they did a production of Hedwig that was well talked about. I love that production. That was very good. Yes. Yeah. Lina DeCampo. That's yeah, exactly. And then there was all this talk about Hedwig coming to the West End and all this kind of stuff. And everyone wanted Davina DeCampo to do it. Of course, there is no Hedwig on the West End. <laughs> We've been waiting years for Hedwig on the West End. I want to bring it to the West End so bad, but I I would be able to sell it out. So, I mean, yeah, I would buy all the seats and sit there and enjoy it. <laughs> I hate to say, if you see my YouTube history, um, not that watching bootlegs is remotely okay, but for some reason in my YouTube history, that bootleg of when you are playing Hedwig has been watched hundreds of times, <laughs> the whole show. Well, let's talk about that a bit, because you playing Hedwig, the first cis woman to play Hedwig in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, that must have been a phenomenal job. It was great. Now, there was one other person who had done it before me, one oh. other woman, why am I, Jennifer Jason Lee. But they don't talk about her. Okay. Apparently, and I don't know the full story. I love Jennifer Jason Lee, but she came in and and she ad libbed so much. She added, you know, an hour onto the show, and it was just <laughs> like it, it wasn't what was intended for the show. Um, but I wasn't the first, so she was the first, and didn't get so. Uh, when I was doing the show with Neil, they were kind of like. Oh, I wonder what it would be like if you played Hedwig. And I was like, I oh, love that, you know. Then that got the idea in my head because I'd never thought of that before. Um, I think around that time, I'm right in saying, when I heard that you were playing Yitzhak in Hedwig, I was looking at videos. I think you had performed Origin of Love at some festival or another. And yeah. I feel like there were recordings of you doing those songs. Yeah. Well, I knew the, um, I knew the, the show really, really well. I saw it in 1999 at the Jane Street. Okay. Um, I saw it. Um, I saw it with Kevin Cahoon played Hedwig, and 
And I just remember sitting in the front row with my sister. We'd gotten free tickets. And uh, I was in Cats on Broadway at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And so we went and, you know, it was my day off. And we went and we were bawling down at the front with our arms in the air, just bawling. And I immediately went and bought the cast recording uh, that has John on it and all the originals, which I didn't see the original. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the movie came out, and I remember we were being really excited about the movie. The movie for me, well, the movie was a way in for a lot of people into the into the show, mm-hmm. uh, but for me, it never reflected what I had seen on stage. And, uh, and so, you know, I always listened to the John Cameron Mitchell, the cast, the original off-Broadway cast recording always. And then, um, and then when it was announced that it was coming to Broadway, I was like, I have to be in the show. I have to be in the show. Like I have to do it. I know all these songs backwards and forwards, by the way, if you've ever been trying to find, um, sheet music to Hedwig and the Angry Inch, you will never find it. It does not exist in this world. Well, it was written by a, a rock guitarist. Yeah, they exactly. Do sheet music. They don't do sheet music. No, they don't. And our band didn't for the, for the Broadway show. Our band did not use sheet music. That's lovely to hear. That's authentic. Cause they were all rock and roll players and it was very authentic. Mm. Um, and so anyway, so I found out that it was coming to Broadway with Neil and I was like, absolutely have to be in this. And how do I do that? I was like, I will go to an open call. I don't care. <laughs> you know, and at the time yeah. I was in Kiki Boots. And uh, and so I I was able to get like the initial call in and I went in full man and I brought my, you know, ex-boyfriend guitarist and I brought an amp. Nice. To nice. a little theater room with the piano yeah definitely those people yeah i was like forget it and he you know he walked in with his guitar after they you know and i came in with the amp and i plugged it in and because i knew he was a roadie and i wanted to be a roadie for them and mm. so my lo- i had a very long journey i mean i talk about this story on you can find the story on youtube anywhere you can even find the video that i did because i did a kickstarter campaign for yitzhak to bring rent back to broadway so i could star in it um, that was, and so that's all on the interwebs. You can find it. Uh, but it, and it was a very fun and long process and very nerve wracking. Cause you know, Stephen Trask and John Cameron Mitchell, they were there for my, it was my second to last callback and they were there in the room and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> You know, yeah, and, and you know what they look like because the movie's been oh out my god, yeah, all over posters everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and then I, and then for my final callback, I had to do like I had to sing with John, and I had to do you know improv scenes with John, and I had to stay in character the whole time, and they were asking me questions and all that kind of stuff. So I was very very nervous, but I mean I got the job. So being able to kind of put so much into Yitzhak and then I saw four Hedwigs um, and the way the show kind of was made we were all in in in-ear monitors so we had no real we could not hear the audience very well okay and um, we had microphones on stage where me and the rest of the band could communicate with each other 
but Hedwig couldn't hear us. So if something went wrong on stage, we could kind of talk and fix things because that was my job was if anything went wrong on stage, I had to fix it. Like that was my literal job on stage. I wasn't an actual roadie on stage and a sound yeah, person I mean, on stage. Yeah, that's perfect. Character work, finding little jobs to do. Yeah, exactly. And things in. And yeah, exactly. But the, the whole time then I just have, you have Hedwig amplified in your ears the whole time just at the same level. So there's no way that you can turn off, you know, there's no way you can go into the other room. Like mm. your brain goes into the other room and you can go on autopilot. You can't do that. I couldn't do that with that role because if something went wrong, I was the first person there. If for some random reason, Neil wanted to do some kind of bit, you know, <laughs> and just at me, which was usually the case, I had to be on it. Like I had to be aware and awake and, in it, in and the present moment. to take that abuse, yeah. Yeah, so I listened to the show for an entire year Oops. with all these different Hedwigs. And what was cool is that each Hedwig that came through, I got to see their journey from start to finish of discovering things as they went, as their show went on, and as they did the show more and more, and it got more nuanced. And for the listeners, that'll be Neil Patrick Harris, Neil Michael Patrick C. Harris. Hall. Yeah, Andrew Reynolds, Michael C. Hall, and then John. Oh, and... John Darren Chris as well. No, oh, not Darren later, Chris. Because uh, Darren Chris came in after I left. Oh, uh, right. uh, yeah. So I did, so I listened mm. just intently and heard a million things and was able to kind of do a, the it was like almost my thesis project <laughs> on Hedwig. Yeah, it is scientific, isn't it? You hear it, every line reading everything. of every joke and yeah. the audience reaction. Yeah, and you get, a, you suddenly you have this sense of like the, the text and the text can mean so many different things and each person can bring out different meanings in that text. And after having heard that for so long, then of course, then they were like, hey, we want you to open the tour. You just do two months, San Francisco and LA. You'll do it with Darren, Chris. Right. I was like, I was like, I don't know if I can revisit this character because it's a really downtrodden and beaten up and in a very bad emotional place. Absolutely. And I had gone through all of that. Mm. And I was like on the other end and I was like, I'm good now, you know? And they're like, well, we want you to play this again. I was like, I don't know if I can do that again. And they were like, well, we also want you to play Hedwig for the eighth show every week. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. Who could resist? <laughs> I was like, I was like, you got me, you know, like, all right. And then, you know, and then I got to do it with Darren and that was a whole other thing. Mm. And because I would always felt like Darren, who's intensely talented and I absolutely love him. Mm. I always felt that Darren was way too young for, for Hedwig because in my mind, Hedwig is like just, you know, exhausted mm. and trying to figure out who they are because yeah. they don't know who they are anymore. And uh, just a disaster essentially. And Darren to me was so young and fit and energetic and, you know, and I was like, I don't understand, like, who is this? And then I was finally able to wrap my head around it for myself, which was, oh, it's, it's Tommy Gnosis telling Hedwig's story. Oh, wow. So yes. that to me made yeah. so much sense. And I was like, ooh, cool. Like then I was like really able to get on board with that. Mm. And I, I like for my own head that, that, that to me kind of changed the show and it really like it brought out more of the text. Do you know what I mean? And just Absolutely. like, cause yeah, cause that's just, cause I'm a crazy person. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so then I got to see, you know, and, and experience the show in a new way with Darren. And then I got to do it 
And I always did it on a two-show day for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and I would do a matinee as Yitzhak, and then I would do the night show as Hedwig. Well, I mean, that's a quick change between characters. What, two hours, and suddenly you're someone entirely different, entirely new costume, entirely new script. Yeah, and and then to make, again, to make it make sense for me in the journey, it was like, oh, it's Yitzhak's big moment to shine. Oh, it's I almost like Yitzhak is the understudy. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's a... Because they were always in rehearsal too, because I'm very I'm feminine and I dance. I was a dancer and I'm good in heels and all this kind of stuff. Mm. They were like, mm, you need to play it more masculine to give us more that it's not a woman. So, so that's how I married that thing was that I was able to play it as Yitzhak playing Hedwig just so it gave it more masculinity in the body movement. That is a beautiful way of looking at it. You're right. It's <laughs> like Yitzhak does get almost that beautiful moment in the middle of the show and before Hedwig unplugs their microphone. And then at the end, of course, they have their big transformation, mm -hmm. no spoilers. Um, and yeah, to imagine that this is Yitzhak's career in one day. What a beautiful way of looking at it. Yeah. Obviously the songs in Hedwig are really hard sings. How do you, how do you, the way you sing them is remarkable. You scream the hell out of them. I imagine keys were changed up a little bit to facilitate for your voice. But after doing a whole day of Yitzhak and then a whole day of Hedvig. Okay, so I can't <laughs> sing. Right. I can't sing. I wish I could sing. I really can't scream. I spend a couple of hours trying to sing in that rock style and it all falls to pieces and I can't talk for a week afterwards. <laughs> it, there must be a technique there to keep your voice healthy. Yes, for sure. There's yes. definitely a technique there. And I, I only figured it out because I was in a band and they would play at the volume of 11 at rehearsal. Yeah. Like they wouldn't. Full and, spinal tap. And they wouldn't. Yeah, full spinal tap. And they wouldn't put the keys down. They, they wouldn't let me choose a key because they wanted it to be open chords and so I forced myself to sing very high and very loud. And then they were like, well, we want you to sound like, you know, Axl Rose or like <laughs> Lemmy from Motorhead. I was like, I can't <laughs> physically sound like Lemmy from Motorhead. But they wanted me to have like uh, just like a dirt and a grit. And they wanted me to have like this cockiness to my voice. Yeah. And so after after a very long time of playing with my voice and seeing if I could find something, I finally like just touched on something. And I was like, what is that? Cause I know I can do that for an hour. Like I know I can do that for an hour and still have a voice. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a very strange feeling. Like, I don't know what that is. And then I just started playing with that part of my voice. And that's how I was able to kind of turn that rock sound on without destroying my vocal cords because it doesn't come from my throat. It comes from, uh, I call it my mask. Okay. Um, but like, it's like my nose area. So it's like, um, it, it's like the back of your pat. It's like the top of your palate. Like that's fascinating. Yeah. And I, it, I can feel it like rubbing like at the top of my mouth and a little bit at the back of my nose, like really back there. Mm. It's very odd, but it's oh. fun when it's really working well. And like, I'm, I'm totally like just in my body, like it's there. And mm. so, you know, I found that spot in my voice with the high notes because that's where it was placed well. And then over time I had to lower the sound and lower the sound and lower the sound. So it took me a long time to kind of perfect that. 
And then with that knowledge and with that kind of confidence, I was able to find other parts of my voice. So where I didn't have before was I didn't have like a mix or like a clean mix, a clean head voice, Mm -hmm. not head voice, but like a clean kind of mix, something in between a belt and a head voice. Now I do because that gave me the confidence to keep playing with my voice and keep playing with different parts of my voice. And if it didn't hurt, then I knew it was going to be okay that it was just kind of weak because the, the mm. voice is like a muscle in in some of the amazing youtube videos i was talking about earlier well actually so some of them like the skivvies videos you did where you do pop yeah. mashups and yeah. um, it's really great to hear how you do approach these pop songs and you can do the the mixy voices you say but then you can let loose and really transform these songs by using this this new part of your instrument that you found yeah i always tell people just listen to janice joplin because mm. you can hear it when she does her grit, it's not a belt. It's actually a mix that's like in a specific part of her voice. You can It's kind of nasally a little bit. There's just something loose in your skull. Yeah, around you, kind of. Yeah, but there, yeah. there are people who can find it. And mm. every time, whenever I tell someone, well, every once in a while, I'll tell someone, they're like, what is that? And I'll tell them. And then they're like, oh, I found it. They oh. like f- can figure it out. And then I'm like, maybe I shouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's your USP. You need to keep that. Take all the roles for yourself. I'm super selfish about it. There are no roles for the voice that I have, trust. <laughs> well, you say that. I mean, Bat Out of Hell, a full rock musical as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to see We Will Rock You tonight, another rock musical. The rock and roll is, is happening in musicals, finally. It is. Uh, unfortunately, most of the good rock and roll stuff are uh, written for men which is fine and i think that people should be allowed to play really any role i mean mm. i've played a man very very um convincingly and i would love to play a male role where it's not it's not a woman or a gender bend it's just me playing that role mm. there's no bend about it it's just a man it would be nice to break the idea of the gender idea or like doing a gender bend or whatever. I, I want to break that because it doesn't have to be that. It can be just a person, a human being. And a lot of the rock stars of the 70s and the 80s, like they towed the line of masculine and feminine. A lot of them were right in the middle. A lot of them were very androgynous. And so I think that that central spot where it's neither either or or neither nor is a very like rock star place. Yeah, and as casting is getting more adventurous and experimental, as you say, hopefully there will be room for that. Yeah, and the people that I come to and I'm like, what if? And they're just like, I can't. They can't wrap Mm. their head around it. I'm like, look, I did that. Not only did I play a man, but I also played someone who is on a journey of trying to find who they are as far as the spectrum of just in general. Like, Mm. you know, Hedwig is a person who's no one, like is not male, not female, not anything. They're finding their way. It's a journey. And it's like, I've done that and I've gotten to taste that. And that is, it's such a challenge that it's Mm. an amazing, like for an actor, it's like amazing journey to like get to go on and try and like make that. A per- like yeah. perfect you know what I mean like it's really fun so I'm like dying for it again 100% so <laughs> very much like on the forefront of what musical theatre is becoming which is really exciting I think one of the first things you were in was like search for Elwoods and very traditional roles and things like that and growing yeah. up with musical theatre it must be great to have come so far that now you're pushing at the boundaries of what the entire form is yeah and I've, I've really want 
to do that, not only like for myself, but paving the way for other performers. Because if you have other performers who are as chameleon, you know, I'm a chameleon. I, I can look like so many different things. I never look the same ever. Mm. Um, for those who are that, I would love or, or see other people. Cause there's like Alex Newell who can go, you know, it's like we can float and that mm. the floating is to me more so exciting to see performer float. Yeah. That's the fun thing about fluidity, which often gets overlooked. It's yeah. not just, I am bam here in the middle of the spectrum. Ooh. There's a lot of floating. There's a lot it's, of moving. Yeah. yeah. And I, and that to me, I love that openness of being whatever you feel in the moment. And a lot of people are very determined, like you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. <laughs> what are you? And it's like, well, what if I am everything? What if one day I'm feeling that and the other day I'm feeling that like, why can't we be more like water and, and less like stone? Sure. The straightest person in the world doesn't like to be defined by the person they were five years ago. And, right. you know, reading back on your old Twitter posts, and that's always embarrassing. So <laughs> why isn't it the same with other facets in life? You yeah. don't want to be the same. You want to move and evolve. Yeah, yeah. There's a real over-definition of self right now um, mm. that is fine for some, but I want, you know, I w- there are so many of us out there who are not, you know, who don't know how to define themselves and don't want to define themselves because the whole point of our being is to just be a human. And so that I, you know, like, I like challenging people, like, Mm. try not to overdefine yourself because it will change. I mean, obviously it's good to have boxes and things to find community and sure, to find yes. people like yeah. you. But you're right. I mean, you're, you're a married person. When you make a commitment to be married to someone, you're committing to marry all of the things that they will be in the future. Yes. And you're living the, the curve on the graph as they change. Yeah, And exactly. there's something beautiful about that. Yeah, and you can change together too and, yeah. and grow together and stuff like that. So this is Lena Hall, the Tony Award winning Lena Hall. I can't believe I got a chance to speak to her. She is the loveliest person you'll ever meet. She is the most talented person ever, as I'm sure you can tell. If you haven't yet, look her up on YouTube. Ridiculous. Who can sing like that? Who has that much talent in their body? Amazing. You'll be able to see her live in In Dreams, a new musical by David West Reed, featuring the music of Roy Orbison. That's at Leeds Playhouse from the 3rd of July to the 5th of August. There's a ticket link for that show in the show notes. And obviously it's going to be, this is your chance to see Lena Hall in person doing what she does. As we discussed in the show, it's a little bit sort of based around her life and experience as well. So this is the Lena Hall show to see. This is the Roy Orbison show to see. It's the Luke Shepard, director of Anne Juliet show to see. I mean, Anne Juliet was great, but this is Roy Orbison. This is going to be so good. So see you at Leeds Playhouse. Make sure you follow Lena Hall as well on all the social medias. All those links are in the show notes, as well as this podcast at Musical MusicalMarePod on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those things. Right. Well, let's get back to the chat with the phenomenal Lena Hall. So um, the whole point of this podcast is we do our category questions okay. of different favourite musicals in all the different categories. I'm terrible for this. Have you seen more than 10 musicals? Probably <laughs> <laughs> See how it goes. Well, no, I, I, I've, been, I've been in a bunch. Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, the first one, hopefully, <laughs> should be quite straightforward. Is there a show which first made you fall in love with musical theatre? Uh, you're going to laugh at me. Cats. 
I was nine. <laughs> you, were, you were in it? I was nine yeah. years old. My mom took me to go see it. And I was so enamored. I said, Mom, I'm going to do that one day. And I did. Yes. The sh Yes. And that is so embarrassing. I mean, there's nothing else like Cats. It is what it is. And it's an incredible... Except for Starlight Express. <laughs> Gi yeah. Giant mechanical roller skating cats. That is, yeah. Well, I mean, God bless Andrew Lloyd Webber for having that particular imagination to make those weird musicals at that time. Look, I had I had a nightmare because mm. um, when I did Cats, I had nightmares of cats, you know, like like I'm supposed to be going on and I don't have my makeup on and I hear my music and I, all I have yeah. is like a, a lipstick. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't get on stage. It's like nightmares like that. And one of the nightmares was I was in Starlight Express, but I didn't know how to skate. And I was like wow. right about to go out on stage. I was like, I don't know the show. I don't know how to skate. <laughs> that was my, my nightmare. Going on in cats with no makeup is one thing, but breaking your leg on stage, <laughs> entirely different. Yeah. Which musical score gets stuck in your head the most often? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's no real score. I guess it would be like Sondheim songs just like pop in my brain. That's interesting because they're quite harmonically complex and a bit all over the place sometimes. Yeah. Not the simple catchy pop stuff. No, it's definitely Sondheim stuff will we'll come into my mind. I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, the interesting turns of phrase in Sondheim is something that gets me. Because if you hear, I mean, if you just hear Sending the Clowns, which has now become a common expression, it takes you right back to his music. Yes. True. <laughs> <laughs> I love that as an interview answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. No, don't worry. This is amazing. <laughs> what is your favorite musical currently running in London or in New York? Because I imagine you haven't explored London musicals yet. You know, I was a little traumatized. You can cut this out, but I was a little traumatized by Aspects of Love. I was invited to the press night. Had no idea what that meant. I didn't know that meant opening night. Mm, yeah. And I will say I was I was very curious as to why that was produced this day and age. <laughs> uh, my mouth creepy, was yeah. agape <laughs> the whole show. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. And a lot of people really love the score when they grew up with it. But to throw that amount of money at something which is... No one's going to fall in love with it in 2023. No. And there's so many other shows which yeah, that money could be well spent on. Um, but... So not that show. Wait, what was the, what was the question? Um, your favourite musical currently running in London or New York? Oh, currently or? running. Oh, well, and Juliet. Solid choice. It's <laughs> just like, a fun night out. Why go to a nightclub when you can go to it's, Anne Juliet? Honestly, it's so fun. And the sound design is insane. It's so yes. good. That... And MJ, they have the same sound designer, of course, but they're both extremely fun nights out. We don't have MJ over here yet, but it's coming soon. And it's coming and it's the music is just phenomenal. I mean, it's, of course, the music's phenomenal, but yeah. Yeah. And Julia. Which musical has made you laugh the most? Um, aspects of love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, eh, you know, I I'll think of something when I walk out of here, but it'll be Avenue Q. I saw Avenue Q and I feel like I've never laughed that hard in my life. I've never seen it live. I've just listened to the cast recording and even that. happened. I saw the original cast on Broadway and it was stupidly good. <laughs> Not enough musicals with puppets, I think is a lesson. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> What is your favorite movie? Actually, before we do this, what yes. is your favorite movie musical? 
Let's talk about Bex a little bit. Ooh. I love Bex so much. It's, really? Of course, I... Oh, it's a great film in its own right. It's got great songs in it. Obviously, amazing and everything. But also, it's set in St. Louis, which is a city I lived in briefly back oh. in the day. So, seeing all those locations again after like 10, 15 years since I was last there, it brought back so many memories and it's a gorgeous movie. Oh, thank you. You're used to shouting to the back rows of theatre in many cases. What was it like to tone it down for a camera? I mean, basically, they were just like, just be yourself. I was <laughs> like, I mean, okay. <laughs> So it's just myself, you know, that is me, which, yeah, that's very me. It's very me. Like, that's what I'm like to hang out with. I'm awful. <laughs> and and the whiskey thief. Correct. Yeah, I don't drink anymore. I'm seven years sober. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. But <laughs> I did used to drink like that. So that was all. Mm. That was all came from somewhere. <laughs> Well, it's a beautiful performance and it's on Amazon for free at the moment in this country. So Ooh, please seek it out, listeners. Is it really? Amazon it for free. Yeah, go watch it. Oh, so yeah. So that was a whole question. Uh, what is your favorite <laughs> movie musical? I just wanted to talk about Bex a little bit. Um, well, uh, I'll say Bex. <laughs> yeah, I'm solid choice. <laughs> but it's not really musical. It's, it's that, it's that non-musical musical. Yeah, there are plenty yeah. of songs, and some of them do kind of advance a story, and it's a kind of about bit, your feelings, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. not bursting yeah, into it's song. Not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, favorite movie musical would be Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, oh, Marilyn Monroe. Old school. Nice. I love Marilyn. And that's currently currently on Broadway, am I right in thinking? No, uh, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot. Okay, got That is also hysterically funny, by the way. There's, I mean, the quality of writing back those. I just said a sentence that makes sense, didn't I? <laughs> no. I'm a professional <laughs> podcast host. The, the quality of writing back in those days was, um, I mean, they had whole teams of writers. They had some of the wittiest people in the world working yeah. on those movies. Yeah. Um, but I will say the Broadway, uh, the Broadway is totally different and it's absolutely hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. I think there should be more. Actually, you know what? Would Bex work as a stage musical, do you think? It's got beautiful songs. I'd like to hear more. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. It's very cinematic in the way it's written. It would take a huge, it, it would take a big rewrite to make it a musical. Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't just like take it and put it on the stage. Um, but you could, I mean, obviously you could make any movie into a musical. We can make Twister the musical. Because <laughs> uh, they'll try anything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you, I mean, you could put Bex onto the stage. It would just need a lot of adjustment. Yeah. I know, it sounds like a challenge. Maybe there are producers out there listening, but no. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. It's so beautiful as a film. I love it as a film. It's so good. I watched it a couple of times with my flatmate who is a gay woman, and she connects so much to, let's say, fashion choices. Let's yes. Say, dating we, choices. Yes. Yeah. We were very much in the know. <laughs> in the know. Love it. Very much in the know. Which musical might people be surprised to learn you love? Could be something completely at odds with your personality or a guilty <laughs> pleasure, as some people say, something like that. Um, <laughs> well, cats. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have had you pegged as a cats person if I hadn't seen that you'd been in it before. I know. And I just have a soft spot for it because I was in it. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I don't want to watch yeah. it. I just want to be in it. I loved being in it. It was so much fun. It was so challenging. And, you know, I... I'll hear those songs in my head, you know, it'll never go away. It'll never be out of my body. I can still do the whole, the whole show. It's been since 
1998 and 99 that mm. I did the show and like it will never leave my body. I suppose it's such intense choreography that once it goes into your muscles. Yeah. Just the way your muscles are now. Did two and a half years of it. <sighs> yeah. What musical do other people love that you don't quite connect with for whatever reason? It doesn't have to be like your least favorite musical or musical you hate. Just something everyone loves that you don't. I mean, many. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, Legally Blonde. <laughs> you could have been Elle Woods. That could have been your entire life. I would life. have never have been Elle Woods. There was no <laughs> way I was going to be cast as Elle Woods. I look back at that now. I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a fun musical. It's well constructed. A lot of people love it. It's fun. Don't like it. Not my cup of tea. But that doesn't mean it's not a good musical. I have very odd taste in musicals, clearly. And that it's just things that are like that are not my favorite. Like I didn't like Mamma Mia, I remember. But I love you love the music. Of course you love the music. Didn't like Mamma Mia. Like sure. but it, I'm 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 a tough cookie to please because I am bitter. <laughs> a tough cookie to please because you're bitter. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just tough because yeah. being in an audience for me is really like I don't like sitting in an audience and watching a show because I want to be on the stage with my friends having fun. I know they're sure. having fun. I know what they're doing. Like I know what it's like backstage. Like yeah. I'm just like I don't want to watch this. I want to <laughs> be there. Like you know that. And uh, but there are some shows where it's it's just not for me, and that's fine because yeah. they can. They're they're usually wildly successful. The the shows I like are usually wildly unsuccessful <laughs> <laughs> so i am not a good yeah. gauge <laughs> well it's like we were saying earlier everyone's different in their own ways and everyone's yeah. unique and that's a beautiful thing yeah exactly what do you think is the most romantic musical hedwig a fairly abusive romantic <laughs> musical <laughs> it's romantic in that it's romantic for self mm. in that it's it's all about the journey of loving yourself that's beautiful. It is. It is all about the journey of loving yourself. And what better person could there be in the world to love than yourself? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people think that they need someone else to make them whole. Mm. And the whole journey of Hedwig is that it's not about, it's about letting go and forgiveness. It's about forgiveness. And yeah. then knowing that you and you are whole who as, as you are now. Yeah. I mean, another way of asking that question is, what's a good date musical? What's a good music? And oh, I, think Hedwig, <laughs> I think Hedwig would be a good date musical. First, you might get picked on by Hedwig. Amazing. <laughs> and also, it brings up a lot, it's funny, it brings up a lot of philosophical themes you can it's discuss good. afterwards. Perfect. Yeah, I think that would be a good date musical, for sure. Yeah. Um, if it ever comes to Certainly London. not us. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> I have been traumatized. I haven't seen another West End musical. That was the first one. I was like, I don't know if I can go back to the theater. <laughs> Well, thank you for staying in London after that experience. No, I wouldn't leave London, no. I love London. Earlier today, you posted saying you want to perform in Athens and something in London. Is there any risk of that? Like a cabaret show, a solo concert or something? I wish. Well, I tried and uh, it was just like, it's too short notice. I'm like, we're four months out. <laughs> it's too short notice. Oh, just get in a pub somewhere and see. I know, like I, that, that's yeah. what I want to, yeah. I, I just want to find like a little shit bar, dive bar. <laughs> Or like a, you know, a piano bar. I'll just go to a piano bar and like sing along or whatever. It's just fun. I haven't, I haven't really done that. I've, I've well, clearly, because I just got here. Um, and I really want to do a show. But the producer thinks that I should do a bigger show. 
Oh, we'll see. It just depends on what people want to hear me perform. You know, I would imagine it's Hedwig. They would want to hear me do Hedwig. Well, what would you like to sing? An I ideal concert for you? Literally no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I guess I don't know. I I love just singing. That's the thing. It's I need someone to be like, we need you to do this because it will sell. And then I'll I'll be like, and then I'll tailor a show to that because I love to sing so much that anything for me is is joyful. Yeah. I can do a show with just a pianist and do all musical theater and have a blast. Or I can do a show with a full band and do all rock and roll and have a blast. Like, so, you know, for me, it's more about like, I would love for someone, you know, if, to say this will sell out a room, mm-hmm. like, you know, cause I would love to do it for a lot of people yeah. and not just like one person. <laughs> Which would be me, by the way, listeners. <laughs> I would be front row there. <laughs> Well, yeah, keep us updated. Let us know on Twitter if you do get a show or even if you just go to a karaoke bar one night. I will. <laughs> karaoke bar. Come karaoke with me. I do it yes. all the time in New York. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some cool places in London. There are? Cool. I mean, what are you doing tonight? Okay, right. Let's get, let's get through <laughs> these questions. Which musical have you never seen that you think you should see? Maybe a classic that passed you by or a piece of new writing you haven't seen yet? or um, Musical. Musical, yes. That I haven't seen that I should see. Mm. Uh, uh, Book of Mormon. I mean, that's been huge for years, especially on Broadway. I know. Still haven't seen it. Still well, haven't seen it. Book of Mormon is one that gets picked for musical other people love that you don't quite connect with. So maybe you wouldn't love it after all. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It's a very funny one, but I think because it mocks musicals a little bit, some people don't like it. I think it's really good. Oh, show, it mocks musical. I would love it then. <laughs> <laughs> You'd fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? A very difficult one. Fictional world. Or it could just be this world, but you'd want to hang out with those characters or something. Right, Sweeney Todd. You're a sick person. (laughs) (laughs) Are you murdering? Are you baking? Or are you eating? I'm baking. Okay. I'm baking. Okay, you're in the middle. Baking. Baking them. And making a load of money as well, why not? Yep, mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm. If you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical, which would you choose to bring up to date or change in some way? Got a few. Okay. Okay. Uh, Les Mis. Mm. That's I, never been I, done in a weird way, has it? I would restage it as immersive. Oh. So I would do what they did with Great Comet, and I would stage it in the Great Comet, like kind of like the Great Comet Theater, and I would create the show so that it, it envelops the audience. Thank you for saying Great Comet, by the way. Another one of my loves, which I don't get to talk about in London because no one's seen it here. Oh, but yeah, no one's seen it here. Yeah. I mean, it's another one which well, will come here. I wonder if it would do well here. It's, it's interesting. It's been rumoured for years, but anyway, yes. Yeah. Immersive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. brilliant show. Yeah. Immersive, yeah. I would do an immersive version of Les Mis. I think that would be pretty interesting. And also, like, an immersive version of, like, Evita would be really cool. Ooh, yeah. um, just, like, the audience being in a show is very exciting and it's something that's more interesting to me now than a proscenium show sure i have an idea for a total restaging of hedwig that i want to do but i won't say that what that's about that's my idea <laughs> yeah um, don't give away those billion I, yeah. dollar ideas i mean I'd, I'd, i would love to be a director at some point um but uh wait what was the other one dracula the musical <laughs> <laughs> okay i've never seen dracula the musical dracula the musical 
it was done and the only I wouldn't change anything sure. that we did. I was in it. Okay. Wouldn't change anything that was done. I would just slightly tweak the direction so that it was comedy instead. Huh. That it didn't take itself seriously. Mm. And then it would work it would work much better. I think the problem was that it 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 took itself so seriously and it was supposed to be this really romantic epic, but unfortunately an audience cannot get on board with a, at least in America, an audience can't get on board with someone singing about drinking blood and eternal life. They cannot get on board with it. It will always yeah. be funny. And so if you just took that production, which was beautiful and brilliant, mm -hmm. And just boink, like just <laughs> like yeah. tweaked it just a tad, it would be it would be hilarious, and then the audience would jump on board with it because they wouldn't have to take it so seriously. Yeah, I mean, Dracula's one of those pop culture things which is so widespread now; it's hard to take it seriously as the original source dark story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that you know that that would have worked probably a lot better had it been um, just tweaked on it but it wasn't intended intentionally it wasn't supposed to be that but like you see now after a number of times of all the vampire musicals failing on broadway sure. uh, you see that people cannot get on board with someone singing about drinking blood and a play they can get on board with that as being something serious but singing wise it doesn't quite work um, to speak to the immersive ideas you have, we have a great production of Guys and Dolls in the immersive I know, I've, I've heard, I want to go see it. I highly recommend it, even if you're just homesick for New York at one point and you want to see the New York streets, buy a hot dog. All right. I heard Operation Mincemeat too. That's an amazing show. It's yeah. So good. And yeah. very British as well, so. I love British culture. I do. I, I love British culture. I watch British home shows all the time in the state. What are your favorite British shows? <laughs> Grand Design nice. and anything with George Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I like all his shows. He was super hot. I don't know if he's a listener to this show, but. All right. Well, George Clark, come see. <laughs> I just want to meet him. I mean, you know, I'm happily married, but just like to meet him. Yeah. You're, you're allowed to shake the hand of a pretty person now and then. Why not? Yeah. There you go. Well, the big question of this podcast, if you were the mayor of musical theatre, which is a made-up <laughs> position, but if you were the mayor of musical theatre, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes, has to be. Has to be. And in which venue? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, wow, see, Hedwig can work in any venue. That's the thing. Like, it's not a proscenium show. It could just be done in the pub where It could be Hedwig done anywhere, that. yeah. So, I guess... I think it would be like staged forever, but in every different possible arena you can think of. Oh, I love that. So one night it's in a tiny bar, the next it's taken over from the lame is set on the night they're not using yes, it. Yes, yeah, exactly. That would be really cool. It would be like a roving production that would just go from set to set. And maybe the Twitter account just leaves little clues. Yeah, so you have to go find, so it, to go find it. Yes. That's actually a good idea. <laughs> Treasure Hunt Hedwig, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Lena. It's been amazing. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> so that was Lena Hall. What a lovely person. What a talented person. My absolute favourite. She is phenomenal. She's a Tony Award winner and she's going to be in Leeds at Leeds Playhouse in In Dreams, a new musical, David West Reed, music by Roy Orbison, directed by Luke Shepard. What could be better? Can't wait for this production. And I'll see you in Leeds. Make sure you also...
well, first get the tickets, get the tickets from the link in the show notes. And while you're in the show notes, get all the links to Lena Hall's social media. Lots of great clips of her on there. And look up all the clips on YouTube as well. I never encourage watching bootlegs. I don't know why I love doing it. No, I don't. No one like, no, no, it's illegal. But you know, there are clips of her as Hedwig out there as well. If you if you manage to find them again, don't inc- why why are, I, why are bootlegs discouraged? We don't have Hedwig in this country. I, where's our London transfer of Hedwig? We can't see it unless we go to these bootlegs. So, please just bring it to us. Bring us Hedwig, and maybe even starring Lena Hall. She sounds like she'd be up for it. Right, I'm really rambling a lot now. I need to start scripting these intros and outros. But yes, follow her on the social medias. Follow us at Musical Mayor Pod, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Follow Musical Theatre Review at at Musical Theatre R on Twitter and at Musical Theatre Review on Instagram. And tune in next time for another incredible guest. Thank you, everyone. Keep it musical. Bye. (laughs) 